Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bijou Banter. In the KUI studio, we got Orson Cod. Hello. And another special guest, Sumner Cod. Hello. And today it is Friday, October 21st of 2022. And continuing on our sort of unofficial horror month of just, we're talking about horror movies or horror-related stuff, we got two more for you. We got Werewolf by Night, which is the latest MCU Disney Plus special, and we're going to talk about a classic a modern classic horror film in conjunction with a upcoming event army of darkness and we're going to begin with werewolf by night which is a very special um uh, <laughs> facet in the mcu it's the first marvel studios special presentation so it's not a tv show it's not a feature-length film it's about 50 minutes long and it's the directorial debut of michael giacchino who is a well-known film composer and it stars Gael Garcia Bernal, Laura Donnelly, and Harriet Sansom Harris. And the plot of Werewolf by Night, it's about a secret group of monster hunters as you compete for this powerful relic while going up against a dangerous monster. What do we think? Yeah, like probably, you know, 85% of the world. I wasn't really super familiar with Werewolf by Night, the character. Um, I just knew he kind of leaned into more of the supernatural side of the Marvel comics and the you know, Michael Giacchino was going to direct it, which was interesting because he obviously did the Batman score earlier this year, which was pretty great. I was very, very surprised by the special because I think like most everyone, I've been feeling a lot of burnout with a lot of the Marvel movies and TV shows as of late. And where this is specifically unique is, and now we're seeing this and there's rumors that Marvel is kind of re-examining what upcoming shows they have and saying like, well, could these work better as like a special? So there's rumors that like Nova was going to be a TV show, but now they're thinking a special or Wonder Man or, you know, I'm sure there's something else. But yeah, I was very surprised, especially by how um, graphic this is because Marvel was so adamant that they weren't going to do R-rated content. And while this isn't R-rated because they, you know, made it black and white, some of the uh, stuff they're able to get away with is pretty crazy. And I never thought like for something that isn't like Deadpool, they would do. Yeah, uh, I I totally agree. Uh, I was this is the first uh, Marvel project I've watched in a little bit because I too have been uh, as Orson was saying, kind of uh, turned off by some of the latest projects coming out. I thought, well, I, you know, there's so many things to watch that I don't really know if I want to be spending my time with these things that aren't interesting or kind of angering. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, whatever. And so I checked it out though, cause, uh, you know, I like horror stuff. I like werewolves and I was, you know, very impressed. Uh, I thought it was a, a fun watch and, uh, yes, definitely the gore was, uh, a big, a big shocker, like something I, I'd never really seen before in any of, uh, the past Marvel things. I thought it was a cool, uh, leap for them to take to say like, Hey, you know, like, uh, this is our range that we're willing to. Maybe they're going to ease into it without it being such a, a ginormous, uh, you know, breakthrough of like, this is, you know, exactly uh, what we're going to do now. And you're going to like it whether, <laughs> yeah, whether or not. And uh, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Very enjoyable. Yeah, this was a, a, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of struggling just because I keep wanting to say film or TV show. This special is one that was relatively flew under my radar. I knew it was happening, but when they announced it, I'm just like, okay, that's really interesting because we knew that there weren't gonna this wasn't gonna be the only TV special in the MCU because we have the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special coming out later this year. This Werewolf by Night kind of came in under the radar though. It's just there wasn't a lot of talk about it really. Yeah. It seemed like they primarily filmed in secret almost. So I didn't really have any expectations going in. I'm just like, okay, I'll check this out. It seems kind of interesting because then it premiered at Fantastic Fest. It was a surprise screening and the praise coming out of Fantastic Fest was among the highest I've seen in an MCU project in a very long time. People right. were saying this is like really, really unique and, and cool and different. And they were right. I really, really liked this. And I, as a lifelong MCU fan, I am now, phase four has definitely been the weakest one by far. It just doesn't know, they don't know what they're doing. It doesn't seem they have much of a goal and all their film, with the exception of No Way Home, their films and TV shows have been either all, like bad, lackluster. bad or like like range to like average. With the exception, No Way Home is, is great in my opinion. And I think Moon Knight and Miss Marvel are really solid too. But Werewolf My Night, if we're not counting No Way Home because that's like such a multidimensional film, this is the best thing that they've done in Phase 4. And it's one of my favorite Marvel projects in a while because it takes chances it present it presents actual creativity and 
it's nice that they the story that they have here it, they didn't drag it out to a full tv series and i think even as a movie it would have been a little dragged out too right they could have made it like probably 80 minutes but no one's going to see an 80 minute marvel movie it's like it was in that awkward gray zone so at 50 minutes it's like perfect runtime it doesn't it doesn't waste any time it doesn't feel long it's perfect the way it is and what i'm more impressed and we'll probably get into more the violence and how um gory or gory in quotes it's a, it's a black and white um special but it is very violent and gruesome at times and i like how more so than any other mcu project in a while you could tell that the artistic endeavors behind it seemed like it was purposeful like you can you sense that they were trying to go for a style and a look it was shot in black and white it looks just like a old universal horror film and they nailed the atmosphere like Giacchino did a very good job and this is his directorial debut as well and I think he he's a talent he's a talented composer, but he has a really good future as a director as well. And it was just entertaining too. It's like I struggled to find any other way to describe it other than just fun. It's a fun special, and it does not take up much of your time. Well, one of the things, well, first of all, Blade is looking for a director right now, so I'm but sure they have he, someone locked. He said up. he's not. Gigi said he wasn't interested. Really? Apparently, That's... I, he said that it recently, and I was so bummed. It was like he would have been perfect for Blade. Well, one of the things you mentioned that I found interesting, and we can get into this because you mentioned the gore. This actually wasn't filmed in black and white. And Giacchino came out and said that it wasn't until like the third or fourth edit that Kevin Feige was like, all right, we should make this black and white. And that makes me wonder, like, I think they were able to get away with the TV 14 rating because it's black and white. Yeah, and so definitely. they, you know, oh, it's chocolate syrup or whatever. But uh, yeah, that just makes me wonder, like, why was Feige so hesitant for a while supposedly to not make this black and white because then that would have, I think, made it TVMA, which was R-rated content. And again, they've already announced that the Marvel Zombies TV show, even though it's animated, is going to be TVMA. So like, I'm just curious as to like what they're looking at now because we know Deadpool 3 is going to be rated R. And they again, we're so adamant. That's going to be the only R-rated thing we do because we're the mouse house. But now they're like, it seems like they're starting to change tune a little bit. And I wonder what's going on there. Maybe it's a differentiator from the Netflix series that they have on disney plus the marvel netflix shows like daredevil and jessica jones potentially because those are no like those are pretty graphic i haven't seen the marvel netflix shows but and it is mcu but it's sort of like a different category of it for my it's i see it as more like as like marvel's take on the star wars expanded universe it's like it is canon but very different so maybe they they want to confuse people with that and think like oh they're resurrecting the what is it? The Marvel Knights or Marvel? I'm not sure. I, I they they called it something, and I don't remember what it was. I don't have it with me. And but yeah, that that's interesting. Like you would, I would have assumed that this was done in black and white from the start. Well, yeah, especially because of you know how much it's harkening back to the old Universal monster movies. Yeah, I I don't know. You you got anything else? No, I mean you guys have have covered it pretty well. Uh, yeah, I I was glad I had watched the Wolfman. The original one with was it Lon Chaney Jr. Or was it Lon Chaney? Lon Chaney Lon, Jr. Lon Chaney Jr. Because I don't think like I think a lot of the Universal monster movies for me are you know solid seven out of tens minus Frankenstein. I really love Frankenstein, but yeah, it's definitely one where I feel like given how much it's harkening back to those movies, it's really good to watch it right before it because that's a pretty short one too. It's only seventy minutes. I yeah, think. most of the Universal monster movies are like very. You short. can binge a lot of them in a day. Yeah, definitely. Like there's some there's some episodes of TV shows that are longer than those movies. Stranger Things. Yes. Um, yeah. It it also what I do like is that there is clearly um, lore attached to these characters in some way, but they don't overstuff it. Like it's not like they spend they they do obviously spend the first let's say 15 minutes giving backstory, but it doesn't feel like it's wasting any time. I liked it's, that wasn't an origin story. It was no, like, these it's characters, not an origin story either. I don't. There's one character I like. I don't. Do you consider it a spoiler to mention this character because they're in it, like in the marketing? Uh, if it's in the marketing, then I'd say. It's well, it's game. cool to see Man Thing finally yeah. in the MCU because that's such an interesting character, and I liked that. You know, when we jump in with them, like you said, Matthew, there's a little bit, bit of exposition, but that's like no, they've already been at this for a while now. They, you know, because how many times? I mean, I get it. Everyone knows Spider-Man, Superman, Batman stories, but with these, I think it's actually a very bold risk. To not say, well, you don't know Werewolf by Night's origin story or Man Thing's origin story, so we got to tell you. But it's like, no, I don't think. I think that's good, just because it is very much a one-off story. Like this is in the greater MCU canon, right. but minus like one or two references. Yeah, with the exception of like one or two references, it, I feel like this 
specialist goal wasn't to be like, oh, we got to expand the lore. We got to, you know, introduce these characters in like phase eight in like 50 right. years from now. It's <laughs> like their goal was to make something that stands on its own, but is still, you can still believe this is taking place in the MCU. And I think more so than anything else in phase four, what's bothering me so much. And I know I, I've praised the multiverse and stuff. I think that's such a cool concept. They're trying way too hard to expand everything and not tell a good story. It's like they're focusing on expansion over. Well, they're making everything the so convoluted. Like, I don't think like from my parents or our parents, like maybe minus my dad because he grew up reading the comics. My mom probably wouldn't understand all these things they're talking about with like the multiverse and Earth six one six or whatever, because you know that's the very deep comic book lore that they're expecting audiences to know and they're relying on that instead of like what you said, Matthew, just telling a simple story and then having those things in their back pocket. Yeah, and, th and that's what this one does. Like this is just a singular story and a good one at that too because that's what that's what made phase one so great. It's like they, most of them were like kind of origin like stories, but they, that's their focus. They focus on one character, it's in this universe and then they team up in Avengers and it's, and it's awesome. Right. And they kind of, they did, they've been doing that pretty well, especially throughout phase two and phase three. Um, but then once they got to phase four, it's just like, what are we going to do? Like, we got to do this all over again. But it's like, uh, we don't have, we don't want to like take the time to do that. So, no, I mean, they got rid of like, you know, half of their stars who were in like multiple of the movies at the same time and yeah. of, like, keeping it going, you know, like a turn, like Eternals, which we talked about last year. What you're making this movie that's about these new heroes that we've never been introduced before. But you don't even give us enough time to like fully get invested in their in their goals and also the conflicts that well, they just throw you in. And one of the That's things not how you tell a good origin story. And you'll get like these idiots that are like, "Well, no one knew who Iron Man was before." But Iron Man was more recogniz recognizable. But at the same time, they spent almost you know eleven years building up Iron Man, so fans could be like, "This guy." And Captain America two and Thor were the faces of the MCU, and then they're expecting to drop in characters like Moon Knight or the Eternals and be like, "These are your new faces, so love them as much as you love these other characters." And it's like, but we don't know them yet. They haven't even been around for a year in these projects. Yeah, it's oops. They, there there are some times where they're just like, I don't know, I don't think they knew what they were doing. But like, would you say that this is what you want? Like in terms of these specials, more so. Because I think what Marvel should do in, in future phases is to follow what Werewolf by Night's ideas were, just like, tell a good story that makes sense within the universal canon. Do you think they should approach it more like with these specials and compare it to films or TV shows? I think for the TV shows, yes, because minus like Loki, and I never finished Miss Marvel, but from what I saw, I liked it. And a little bit of WandaVision, there hasn't really been anything that's like blown me away. I've kind of just left a little bit like, oh, okay, that's... It started off kind of cool, and then like it just peered out. And I, that seems like, I don't want to speak for everyone in the world, but that just seems like how everyone's kind of felt. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I thought it was cool when you know everything shut down a couple years ago, and it was like, oh, well, we don't have to worry about not seeing what happens next in the you know, the storyline, we can uh, watch a TV show and uh, it's very episodic where it's like, you know, the release of uh, the comic issue. So it's very cool. And it just seems like it's like a, I mean, I know it's television and not film, but a, a lower amount of quality in it, you know, like I felt like the more I would watch it, the less enjoyable it would, it would become. So I think, uh, I think these specials are, are pretty cool. I'm looking forward to like the Guardians one coming out uh, yeah. in a couple of months. Yeah, the Guardians one, I think that one I have an idea of how it's going to be. It's probably they're probably are going to tell like a one-off story, but at least that one just because when you hear the term holiday special, you get sort of a basic idea in your head. With Werewolf by Nights, like no one really knew what to expect, like how they were going to tackle it. Right. And they did it. They did a great job. So, but we're going to transition over into a quick PSA, and we we'll be right back with more Bijou banter. Welcome back to Bijou banter. We're continuing our conversation on Werewolf by Night. And what do we think of the action sequences in this special? I thought the way Giacchino set them up and directed them was pretty clever because sometimes you can um, show instead of telling. And I like that you never really get a full look at this werewolf by night character. I mean, you yeah. can like look up images because they've released um, production photos of what he actually looks like. But the way they framed it with the lighting and the black and white color, I thought was actually super clever because there, there's so much mystery surrounding the story as a whole and again we've talked about this if they just tell us everything i think we would have lost interest and so the way they did it with the action sequences where he's you know leaping off the walls and you know killing people i, I liked it yeah yeah i i was a huge fan of like i said before uh the gore in it and uh uh you know 
I don't know. I mean, is this this isn't like giving too much away that you know there, there's blood in it. Yeah, no, yeah. Fine. I mean, this, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of blood in it, and I was just you know totally uh, you know uh, immersed in that and thought it was really cool and uh, definitely the brutality of it. You know, like you you get like a you know a stab wound in a Marvel movie, and it's like oh, it's not like their guts are spilling out. It's like it's like a burn wound. You know, yeah. Kind of like in most like sci-fi things. This was like gore you know like straight up i mean yeah body parts yeah ripped off you know i thought that was really cool you know and yeah they kind of um built um built off what they did in dr strange 2 because dr strange 2 was pretty violent oh yeah brutal and that was in color as well but i also really appreciate how this we've for i don't even know how many episodes but we've been kind of uh, making fun of Marvel's CGI and also their effects. This one was refreshing just because they had a good blend of practical effects. Cause, like the man thing. That's practical. Yeah. Practical animatronics. And like there is probably some CGI layered on top, but it. it's mostly a practical effect with an actor in a costume. I think that's, that's so refreshing just because even simple things like costumes now for the MCU are digital. Right. And that's honestly kind of sad. Now, here's my question then, because I haven't actually seen anyone bring it up. I don't think this is the last we've seen with these two characters. I'm there's no, ru- I don't think so. Well, there's rumors that they want to do like, uh, you know, kind of a more supernatural thing now that they're going to introduce Blade. Supposedly, there was the Black Knight character and um, Eternals, and Doctor mm-hmm. Strange kind of falls into that category with Moon Knight as well. So they're clearly kind of setting up some supernatural team. If they bring Werewolf by Night back, do they keep the same look that's harkening back? to the Wolfman from the 1930s, or do they actually go with a more like kind of CGI werewolf look? Because the look they had here was so specific for what they were trying to do. I just don't know if it would translate into like this action horror movie for the big screen. Well, the thing is like, if the, if Werewolf by Night were to return in a future film, I'm willing to bet that it won't be in black and white. It's going to be in right. color, obviously. Yeah. Unless there's like black and white sequences, kind of like what they did in um, Thor 4. Yeah. One of the best looking sequences in that movie, in right. my opinion. Yeah. So they're probably going to do some sort of redesign and it'll realistically be all CGI just because that's what um, Marvel does. They really don't. They Really, they've never done very much practical stuff, I feel yeah. like, in terms of co- like um, big creatures like that. So it'll probably be CGI, but they have to make it in a way where it... It's like in the middle, reflects. I guess. Yeah. But I just hope it doesn't look too fake because, like, don't get me wrong, there are some effects in here that don't look great. Like, I think some of the... I, I think some of the burning effects look kind of... Like the fire effects or like the... When, when people get like, when oh, yeah. something like burned, like okay. near, specifically I'm talking near the end. I'm yeah. trying not to go into details, but uh, yeah, that one particularly did not look great, even though it was in black and white. So it's not entirely perfect, but it's miles better than the two, uh, than the than the bigger budgeted Marvel films. Right. I wouldn't be shocked if they do a CGI thing because there were rumors that, was his name Gil? Garcia Bernal. Bernal. He didn't like wearing the stuff. And like, I don't blame him, you know? Oh, it's it's the, hard, yeah. It's the tale as old as time that Jim Carrey, you know, when he was in full prosthetics for the Grinch movie, he said it was like torture. Mm-hmm. And he had to like get trained by Marines about how to, you know, kind of relax and stuff because they obviously, you know, deal with things like that. And so I'm sure it was very difficult and I wouldn't be shocked if maybe next time he'd just want to wear one of those motion capture suits. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty cool to see. Uh, see how uh, monstrous they can make him look. But they, I just wouldn't want it to be a thing where it's just such a tonal, not a tonal, but like a weird shift. Well, if you look between at, the looks, I I uh, saw I, like I didn't go and read any of the comics, but I just kind of looked at the drawings of the character. He kind of has that look. Like yeah, you said the uh, like the Lon Chaney Jr. look. Right. So I can imagine they'd probably stick with it. And it'd be kind of weird to just like immediately jump from like. Like we said, this isn't someone we're like super connected with, right? But it was like, like it's not like this in-depth origin story. But like now we're familiar who familiar with who it is, and as you said, people kind of seem like they like it. But so. maybe they could just rely on like, it, whenever they bring this character back, as opposed to a movie, I'm gonna assume mm-hmm. that maybe just regular movie-going audiences haven't seen the Werewolf by Night special, so it's like, well, if they want to go check that out now, they can. But you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, it'll be maybe whenever this movie, let's say in the next five years, they'll see this character for the first time. Maybe like, that's what he's like. And then they'll go and watch the thing if they haven't seen it already. And be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, because there's... I'm I'm not familiar at all with the character of Jack Russell or Werewolf by Night. So I don't really know much about it. But um, there's rumors that they're going to include more, I guess, characters or like... Um, characters that he's associated with within the comics into future installments, especially because they're doing the Marvel Zombies show yeah. 
eventually. I don't even know if they have it. I think it's like 2024. Date. Yeah, so they're, my theory is that they're going to connect it with that somehow. Maybe he'll appear like in an animated form or I something. I would be shocked. So I could see him coming back in What If, if they're in What If Season 2, because yeah. that's coming out soon. Um, I think, too, I'm just I'm impressed that this was G. Kino's first director, directorial debut. Yeah. Because it's granted, this is not a, a movie, but for your first project as a director to be to helm a Marvel related um, project is a tall order in general. But to make it stand out compared to like so many other directors that have been established for years at this point is quite impressive, honestly. And I, I, I do want him to come back for some sort of Marvel project. Unfortunately, he's not coming back for Blade. Um, he should, but I, yeah, it's interesting that they went with him and not like some established horror director, like, you know, a James Wan or a Jordan Peele type. And I know they've both probably said like, Oh, we don't want to, well, I guess James Wan does Aquaman, but Jordan Peele has been so adamant. He doesn't want to do franchise movies, but I wonder what it was that Giacchino said to them that they were like, you know what? This is the guy. I mean, obviously he has a relationship with them cause he's done some Marvel stuff. I'm pretty sure at least Disney stuff. But I just I'm curious what his pitch was. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just reading this on the Wikipedia. When Feige asked Giacchino which Marvel properties, which Marvel comic property he wanted to work on, the producer was initially surprised to hear Giacchino's interest in Werewolf by Night, but was enthused after discussing his ideas further for it. Mm. So it seems like he want he wanted to do. It. I guess he had some affinity for the character. Yeah. And probably because Kevin Feige or just even the the Marvel Studios were just like, well, this is a bit of a more obscure character it's not a feature film it's not a tv show sure we'll let you have at it just because he scored he scored marvel projects before like he did the spider-man movies and he didn't i was about to say he did the first doctor strange i think he didn't do doctor strange too that was danny elfman so he's he's had experience with marvel and i'm sure he he's probably seen a bunch of the movies too and is likely a fan so they're just like yeah sure we'll let you do this it's kind of like a Nice little bonus favor. No, so you want to see him come back then? I do because I think he more so than very few directors in the MCU recently have added some sort of visual style to the films. Mm-hmm. Like the only ones I could think of are probably like Doctor Strange two and even Miss Marvel to some degree. This one, even though Giacchino is not, I wouldn't say he's an auteur, obviously, just because he's only made this. You can tell that there was way more attention paid into the creative presentation of just how it looks, how it's tonally meant to be and also from a narrative standpoint too right. those are all important whereas other ones are just like oh well this character is going to appear in like phase six we got to build up that and like introduce them it's just like i it seems way more corporate like factory made almost this yeah. one doesn't seem factory made i also one of the things i just we didn't really touch on too much i just like the story in general yeah because it's not a bad story there's just something about it that really fits this kind of season with you know halloween and like these monster hunters are getting together. We just really haven't seen that. And I, again, we've said it before and I'll say it again. It's just so simple. It doesn't have to rely on connecting to everything else. Minus like one or two very small references in the beginning. Yeah. To like the world it's in. Yeah. That's how you do it where it's, it's, it's important for the story, but it doesn't distract from the exposit, like the overall universe exposition. Yeah. That's how it should be done. And as a tribute to classic horror films, I know you and I will disagree. This was much better than The Monsters, like yeah, in so yeah. many ways. No, I think it's better than The Monsters. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I know you enjoyed The Monsters, yeah. but obviously if you listened to our conversation a few weeks ago, I was not a fan at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, do we give anything else to add? Somewhere? No, I mean, you guys are knocking it out right now. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean... I don't, I don't know. I guess, I guess if we don't have much, we could wrap it up a little early oh, sure, to sure. talk about our next film. So yeah, what are our final thoughts on I, Werewolf by Night? I really liked it. You know, I know a lot of people were like, oh, I wasn't suspecting this at all. But I was kind of eagerly for the last year being like, wow, they're really doing a horror thing. That's pretty cool. And so I was interested in it and I watched it and I really liked it. I don't think it's necessarily like super scary. I kind of wish maybe it leaned into that a little bit more. But that's just me thinking like Marvel was like, okay, we can do the gore, but we can't like terrify audiences. So who knows, maybe for a future project they will, but I really liked it. I liked the violence. I thought the performances were good. Man-Thing's introduction was cool. I'm really guessing it's going to be on my top 10 at the end of the year, so I'm going to give Werewolf by Night an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I only watched it once, um, but uh, I, I do wish, too, that they had made it maybe like a little more scary, but uh, as you said, you know, they probably didn't want to terrify people too much. Right. Uh, but yeah, I'd say maybe a 7 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I thought this was really, really good. It's a nice, easy, digestible Marvel product, I'd Mm -hmm. say. 
it's not one where you need to have so like you had to have watched 11 years of content to understand the story it's like no if you've never seen a superhero film in your life you can watch this and understand what's going on and you'll probably have a fun time and since we're coming up with to the halloween season this is not a bad one to put on like late at night or something just turn out the lights and just get immersed into it because it is a very almost immersive type uh, special that i i said this in my letterbox review and also alluded to it earlier this is this is what marvel needs to do in future phases like go go down this route where it's like you want to tell a good story and you want to add, add it into the canon but don't distract it by trying to throw in all of these like expand expanded universe stuff and also just like trying to build up the mythology just like tell a good story first right like that's that's what movies were bi- like built on like just telling stories so that's what they should do this is a great special it's different it's violent it's entertaining it's just it's a great time it's on disney plus check it out if you would like to and i'm also going to give it an eight out of ten it is quite good now we're going to move on from werewolf by night to a another horror film from 1992 called army of darkness which is the third installment in the evil dead franchise written and directed by sam raimi and it stars bruce campbell and Embeth davids and the plot of army of darkness spoiler alert if you haven't seen evil dead 2 um Ash is transported back to the medieval ages where he must retrieve the Necronomicon and battle an army of the dead so he can return back home to his present time. And you, I don't think you've seen this film, have you? Yeah, no, never. I've seen <laughs> no, I'm obviously a renowned Evil Dead fan, and I love them all. I This is definitely my least favorite of the four movies that we've gotten just because it leans so heavily into the screwball Three Stooges-esque comedy that I think it really overshadows the horror. There's not really any horror, real like scary horror in here to begin with. It's more atmospheric horror that kind of gets you in the spooky season. But I still really like it a lot. I mean, Bruce Campbell just owns this character. And of course, the special effects that they do that are a throwback to Ray Harryhausen are great. The scene that definitely is my favorite in the whole entire movie is when he's uh, he finds the three Necronomicons. Yeah. And he's like, which one? And then, you know, I don't want to like there's just stuff that happens in there that I think obviously Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell are just having such a blast making and then the stuff with the skeleton hands. But I guess where my second biggest issue lies is that even though it's like what 80 minutes or something, I do feel like it drags a little bit, but at the same time, I still think it's a very fun movie. Yeah. I mean, I think it's got good pacing. I I'd watched it about a year and a half ago for the first time. Uh, uh, I'd seen the first two movies, you know, when I was much younger, so I've, I've always loved them. But uh, I, when I just rewatched it about a week ago, I forgot how fast it moved. And what I thought was interesting that you had mentioned, like, oh, it's so different from the other two, is uh, that uh, this one was meant to be like an adventure movie. And uh, I think they did a pretty cool job of that uh, while also still including like... Uh, you know, the creepy makeup that, you know, what are they called? The, the Shemps? Yeah, the Shemps. That's yeah. what they called them on set. But yeah, the Deadites. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I thought the, uh, the the skeletons were uh, really cool and how they were, uh, you know, like the stop motion, it would take them like, I think uh, in the scene when um, uh, the love interest, yeah. uh, when she's being possessed by the, uh, the evil Ash, uh, they pan up and it shows the army of skeletons getting prepared that stop motion and uh it took him like 36 hours wow. to do that like non-stop so i'm i'm you know very impressed by that i think it was really cool well done and uh uh the, the uh the blood cannon oh yeah <laughs> that was great you know, yeah awesome yeah this is this was my second time watching it. i saw it for the first time last year after re-watching evil dead 2 which we talked about in banter last year as well um I, I guess to recap, Evil Dead 1 and 2 I like pretty equally. I think they're really great, fun, over-the-top horror films. And especially after watching Evil Dead 2 for the first time and where it ends, I'm just like, well, that's a that's a really bizarre change in tone and mood. I wonder how Army of Darkness is going to be. And I the first time I watched and even now, like I, I enjoy this movie. I think it's a lot of fun. However, I do agree it is the weakest of the Evil Dead trilogy because... Tonally, it feels very similar, but almost... Kind of, I, I actually have a, share a very similar opinion to yours, and I think at times it leans a bit too much into the goofy nature. And that's not to say I dislike it, because I think it is, it's a very funny, very over-the-top, very bonkers film, kind of like, like what Evil Dead 2 was. But Evil Dead 2 also had that really good horror atmosphere that the first one established so well. 
Army of Darkness is definitely going for more of like, I'd argue, a fantasy approach. I, right, yeah. I even struggle to call this a horror film because there are elements of it, but it's not what I think of off the top of my head when I hear horror. So this film, for all, for all it's going for, it is very unique, though, and I do admire a lot of things about it. But yeah, in the greater scheme of like the Evil Dead trilogy, it is probably the weakest. I think if this wasn't connected to Evil Dead at all and was just a singer film, I honestly probably, probably would have liked it a bit more because it doesn't, I don't have the knowledge in the back of my head thing like, oh, how do we get from this Cabin in the Woods type movie made for barely any money by a bunch of college students to this somewhat big budget like medieval fantasy horror film it's just right. like it like it, it's hard to connect but also in the grand scheme of like the tone it does sort of fit but if it, if it stood on its own i might have liked it a bit more because like oh this is really creative and just like kooky almost. right so yeah I know, I know i just said like a bunch of random stuff but i do enjoy this film one of the biggest missed opportunities is that the original title for the movie was medieval dead and I think they should have used that. Did I, they ever say why they never I don't know. that title? No. I, that's the that's a perfect title. I think it's because the Evil Dead 2 is actually called Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn. But they wa- I think they originally wanted to call it Evil Dead 2 Army of Darkness. And then they I think they came up with the other one instead. And then they were like, oh well, yeah, we should change use that for instead of Medieval Dead. And I just think Medieval Dead would have worked better. But Army of Darkness is still catchy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good title, but also like like I said, if it weren't connected to Evil Dead, that's just a good title in general, though, just for a one-off film. Right. So, yeah, well, I think it's very, uh, very. I mean, it is obviously Sam Raimi, but uh, I think it's uh, one of the most Raimi-esque movies that I've that I've seen. Uh, you know, with great movement of the camera and uh, you know the the amount of uh, you know gore in it. It's uh, it's really cool. Yep. Uh, just curious, and um, I, I'm not, I guess, spoiler alert for this movie that's been around for 30 years. This movie, the version I saw and that I've only seen was the theatrical cut. However, I am aware that there is an extended cut with a completely different ending. Really? Huh. I oh, think you, I, I've heard of it. I just don't know if I've ever actually been able to track it down. So basically, it seemed like it was, according. this is according to the Wikipedia, the original ending of the film was where... Um, Ash has the the potion to return back to the present. He has to swallow like six, oh, six drops. Yes. And then he obviously takes because, an extra drop or because, something. Because Ash is just a clumsy buffoon. He and he goes to like the future drop. or something. He right? goes to the future where it's like this apocalyptic earth that's like a deserted wasteland. And then it's just like, oh shoot, this is what humanity has come to. And then the movie ends. And uh, this was just, unlike the other Evil Dead films, this was distributed by mainstream studios through Universal Pictures. And Universal was like, you can't do that. That's too dark. And it's like, oh. you need a bit, you need a happy ending. And that's why we have the ending that oh. we have now. That ending, I think, is good too. It's still, it ends a little abruptly, in my opinion, but right. it still kind of fits tonally with what it's going for. It's just very over the top and just quite, it's imaginative, but also just like, oh, it's definitely Raimi esque. I don't consider this a spoiler, but that's how the Evil Dead series ends. It, oh really? Yeah, I mean, it's been around for like six years now, and it ended six years ago or something, or not, maybe five years ago. But that's where it ends. It's like Ash, you know, defeats the big monster, and then like he goes into like a coma or something, and he wakes up, and he's got like um, just some really futuristic outfit on, and he has like you know the super futuristic hand now, and then like it's very Mad Max esque, and then they like yeah. drive off, and fans were super upset because I think they wanted a fourth season, but it just wasn't getting watched, mm. and so stars canceled it, and then it was just like ah. Shucks. That would have been cool. I will say, like, this movie out of any of the Evil Dead movies, like, oddly enough, has probably the most concrete story really? out of all of them. Yeah, because, like, with Evil Dead 2, Evil Dead 2, I, it's, I'd see as more as, like, sort of like a semi-remake of the first film. Uh-huh. And there's so many, there's moments that I remember. It's just, like, that movie has so many great sequences. But in terms of, like, a greater narrative, it's, like, a bit more muddled. This one, I find to be the opposite, just because I think the narrative as... It's not like game changing. It's not super interpretive, but it's just like Ash one Ashes in the medieval ages, and he's just like, shoot, I gotta get back home. Like, how do I do this? And he's like, you gotta fight like this army, the skeleton army of the dead, basically. And that's like his journey. And like he, and within that, within that narrative, there are the more Looney Tunes esque like um, sequences of like the 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 Necronomicon, like the the mini ashes, mini ashes. There's the skeletons, and also when he's fighting in the well type thing oh, with yeah, like a yeah. chainsaw. It's like those those are in there, but they're also concrete to the plot. 
So that's one thing I think Army of Darkness does better than most than the other Evil Dead films. But Evil Dead 1 and 2 just left a bigger impact on me because the sequences were even more like absurd. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. Great <laughs> movies. Yeah. How do you think it holds up now all these years later? Because I'm sure at the time it was pretty crazy. I mean, I... That, that's a hard question for me to answer just because I didn't grow yeah. up with it. Like the first time I saw it was only a year ago. I know um, when it came out, it did it did well, but it wasn't nearly as well received as the first two. Yeah. And I think even now, now that's, that's pretty similar. I don't know anyone who says Army of Darkness is their favorite of right. the Evil Dead trilogy. So, I, and honestly, I think some people might consider this just to be a spinoff because like it, even though it is connected to the Evil Dead franchise, just like, well, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have Evil Dead in the title or like a number attached to it. So it's just like, what what is it? I'm just curious why Sam Raimi wanted to go with such like a tonally different film. I don't know why. Yeah, I I, I don't know I don't know either. And like, it a part of me doesn't really care just because it does fit within the the rules. And I say that very loosely because what makes the Evil Dead so great is I feel like there's no rules pretty much. They just do whatever they want. Right. So this does fit totally. It's like, yes, this is only something Sam Raimi would do. If they were to make, like, let's say Ari Aster were to do a sequel to Hereditary and did this, it'd be like, what the heck is this? This makes no sense. And, but in terms of the logic that Sam Raimi wants to do, this does fit in logically, but also it's almost like teetering on being, on like breaking the, that wall. I mean, if you think almost. about it, the Evil Dead is a straight-up horror film. Sure, there's mm-hmm. comedic elements, but it's a straight-up horror film. That's the goal. Evil Dead 2 is a blend. It's horror and comedy because it's got those really freaky moments, but then it's got some more lighthearted moments. And then this is just a straight-up comedy. Mm-hmm. I can't find, like... Again, there are, quote-unquote, scary elements to, like, the atmosphere with, like, the gravestones or the skeletons or the deadites or whatever, but it's a straight-up comedy. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, too, because, like, that's one thing I, I always forget about. Like, this, this is a very this has the biggest budget of any of the evil dead films and the movie looks really, really good too. Like there's a lot of great practical effects and really great set design too. Like we were, you were talking about like the skeletons as yeah. well, but yeah, well, what's interesting. Sorry to, no, go you. ahead. Uh, well, you know, it was like straight desert and, uh, like the tiny castle with like one little tree. I thought it was pretty cool how they could make so much out of that, you know? Yeah. If you really think about it, that's kind of most of the exterior and then the interior, they can just easily build a couple rooms that look like, you know, from the medieval times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's so, it's different. And I'm struggling to like think of other stuff to say, but it's and, fun. Yeah. And he's, t- he's trapped in the middle, in the middle ages. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nice to see too, that, even after this was, did did Sam Raimi have plans to do like a fourth film? I or think was they this like, talked about it, but was this like the end? I knew they wanted to do because Evil Dead twenty thirteen. That's pretty different. That's, that's a remake. That, that's not even a remake though. It's just it, it falls into that camp of Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead and Rob Zombie's Halloween, oh. where it's like okay, it's taking the story from you know an old seventies or eighties film and re telling it but it's a lot it's a very darker interpretation and so that's kind of but it's not the exact same story you know the characters in that are you know ash linda whatever they're their own characters and so i think at one point they had talked about doing a crossover between the two but it just never happened but there are rumors now because there's an evil dead film coming out next year evil dead rise yeah that's is that is that a max original it HBO was Max. a Max original, but then apparently it's so good that they upped it to theatrical. Well, that's rare for Warner Brothers. Exactly. And Blue Beetle is one of those ones as well where it was going to be Max original, but they were like, no, it's too good. Interesting. Um, I'm surprised they didn't cancel it. But then, yeah, uh, someone asked Bruce Campbell on Twitter recently. They were like, oh, are we ever going to get Evil Dead? Four. Like, well, Kind of, yeah. Is there ever going to be a follow-up to Evil Dead 13? Like, any news about that? And I think his response was just like, no. I don't remember. It was something that was teasing that was like, you know, you, you, your uh, wishes shall come true, kind of. So oh. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of tie-in because I think he's done as Ash. He's been pretty clear he doesn't want to keep doing it. Mm. But he said his voice is in the new one. like His so, voice. Yeah, his voice. So I'm sure there's some sort of Easter egg. Maybe Easter egg. Yeah, but I wouldn't be shocked with this girl Mia. That's who they set up in the Evil Dead 2013. Yeah. I, I will wow. say, like, out of any of the Evil Dead films, this one has the least... Um, the, and I'm not saying this is like a bad thing. It has the least creative camera work. 
And, yeah, that's fair. And it's not a negative because the movie still looks good. Like it's competently shot, and there are some really creative elements. But a lot of the creativity, I think, comes more in more in the uh oh more in the effects. Sorry about that. The fans are calling in. Yeah, exactly. This happened last week too. Um, yeah, it happened more in the effects of the of like with the just in the world building too. Whereas a lot of the character that I really love about the Evil Dead movies comes from the camera work. Just like how it like zooms in through through like the house or it's the point of view of the monsters and it's just like all that. That's not really present Army Army of Darkness. Right. And it's like they shot it more just like oddly enough more like a studio project. And cuz this was um this was part of the movie before Army of Darkness that Sam Raimi did was Darkman. Which I haven't seen. Darkman's fun, yeah. Which was all, yeah, that was also a Universal project. So I'm sure they're like, oh, we'll fund this project for you. And you could, I guess they were like, they probably, you could do whatever you want, but then they interfered and added a bunch of stuff into it. So now here's a question. It's a very interesting one. Do you kind of consider this a superhero esque movie? There's elements of it, but I wouldn't. It's not straight up superhero, you know, today to today's standards. But Darkman is an anti-hero story. I kind of see this being an anti-hero story as well. There, there are elements of it. Like it does seem like the sort of the he's a hero, obviously, but he's not a great one either. And he's also just kind of a jerk at times. He's very, he's very Ash is very arrogant at times. And I feel like kind of what you said, if this wasn't connected to the Evil Dead franchise, it was its own thing, still with Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. And it was about this guy who teleports back to the medieval times and he has to like fight for his way to get back. And, you know, he f- makes friends along the way and skeletons and whatever. It would be probably more widely as like, yeah, it's kind of an anti-hero story, like kind of superhero-esque. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to transition into a quick grand spot and we'll be right back with more Bijou Banter. Welcome back to Bijou Banter. We're continuing our conversation on Army of Darkness. And it does... I don't even remember what we what did we talk about before the break. I actually I can't I'm blanking. Um oh Darkman, the right, anti yeah. story. So yeah. one movie I would actually recommend if people really want, I think Sam Raimi's true blend of horror and comedy, minus Evil Dead 2 is Drag Me to Hell. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I but haven't. But that very much is in the same vein as Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness kind of mixed. So I've heard. Because there's like a scene where it's not it's very much like a spin-off to Evil of Dead. The Evil Dead, jeez. And, like, there's, like, a scene where, like, a dead-eyed-esque creature is, like, doing a possession but also dancing on the table. It's pretty <laughs> It's pretty crazy. It's not one of my favorite Sam Raimi movies, but it's actually really good. And the ending is pretty freaky. Hmm. I would recommend it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm reading just on the Wikipedia, too, that um, it, it I, I kind of, I find it funny in the beginning or, like, the first few scenes because it's basically, it picks up immediately where Evil Dead 2 left off. They had to reshoot, basically. Yeah. The entire like last few scenes of Evil Dead Two, because I always think about the one part in that movie when Ash cuts off his hand, yeah. and you see like the blood just like spewing all over his face, and then this one they cut away, yeah. and you just hear him screaming. It's like okay, that was obviously so, like for studio reasons and right. stuff. And like that's also what kind of disappoints me about this movie is the fact that even though Universal seemed to, for the most part, be kind of hands off with the exception of the ending, like. It, it does seem like there is this little bit of interference that keeps it from being like super, super gory and just like, because it's definitely really the least manic. gory of the four. Exactly. And uh, well, and we've addressed before, it's not really a horror film, but right. like in Evil Dead 1 and 2, they just did whatever they want. No one was stopping them, basically, even though Evil Dead was just filmed by them. They just, that was it. And Evil Dead 2 at least had some bigger funding, but the producers, I think it was Dino De Laurentiis yeah, who, so. who funded, he was probably just like, Eh, whatever. You can just like do whatever, whatever you want. I'm just giving you the cash, pretty much. So right. Yeah, and th- and this this one that kind of disappoints me a little bit, just to see that because Raimi is such a big creative. Um, he's a creative director, and he knows what he wants to tell. He's super talented, and to take that away is a bit of is a little disappointing at times. Do you ever think we'll get another film in the same vein as like the Evil Dead trilogy? Again, because I mean, maybe someone can be like, oh, well, this kind of, but I just, it's so unique. I, I don't think that we'll ever get another trilogy tonally like Evil Dead. However, in terms of what a director wants to do, like creatively, in terms of like making their own rules, we're obviously going to get stuff like that. Like I think of Edgar Wright, for example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's with, actually like really the good. Cornell trilogy. Um, those are, 
those films are on like in every single aspect are Edgar Wright in any way. Like you look at one frame and you can tell you're looking at an Edgar Wright film and just whether it be story, characters, editing, use of music too. It's just like you could like he is a creative auteur and Raimi is as well. But in terms of blending that comedy and horror, utilizing the effects and just like the overall kind of bizarre and insano creativity, I don't think there's really going to be anything that will be like evil dead for a long time. And it's been evil dead has been around for 40 years, 40 years now as a franchise. You and- know, okay. One of the things we can talk about that I think is so interesting is you look at franchises like Friday the 13th or Halloween specifically as of late. And I don't know how many of the Halloween movies you guys have seen. I've Only seen the original. Yeah. I've seen most of them. They're all pretty hit and miss afterwards. Like I think the original Halloween two is pretty good. The 2018 one is good. And the last two were like, okay, they're not great. But then other than, and I like the Rob Zombie one actually, but there's nothing that minus 2018 and the original that really are that good. And so I, what I find interesting is that Evil Dead, at least in my opinion, has never had any misses because while like I'll say like, oh, I had issues with Army of Darkness, I still really like it. And even though 2013 is so vastly different from what the other three are, I still really like it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like most fans are the same way. So you might have like one you like over the other, but. I just, I've never met anyone that's like, I absolutely hate Army of Darkness because of how silly it is. No, and because it still fits in sort of with the rules that it establishes. I, I know I mentioned that before. Also, too, Evil Dead has, across its franchise, there's there's the three, well, four movies, technically. There's the TV show, and there's like some comics and video games, too. I do, okay, funny you mentioned that. I actually do know what they wanted for the fourth one. Okay. They wanted to do Ash versus Freddy versus Jason. Oh, really? I think it was a very, very short-lived idea because the studio wanted to possibly... They wanted to kill one of the villains. They wanted to have Ash kill one of the villains, but I don't think the studio wanted that. And then they were like, all right, well, then we're not doing it. And oh. so I think that was pretty much it. But I, yeah, there are comics because Marvel bought the rights. And so I've never read any. Oh, like, Mar- like Marvel? Yeah. Comics? Interesting. And so, yeah, Marvel did a couple. I think there are comics of... Freddy versus Ash versus Jason. I'm sure there are. But I, I've just never gotten around to them. And there's a bunch of video games and stuff. One came out earlier this year. I just, I still haven't played it yet, but I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah, it's all, it's also too, just because Evil Dead as a franchise, there's not a ton of films in the franchise, whereas Halloween, there's like, but it's interesting. how many, how it's many just Halloween films are there? interesting how beloved it still is and still relevant like 40 years later now. I mean, it, it definitely had an impact though. And I think right. it, it, the first film especially has so much wide appeal. Yeah. Too. Like if you're a horror fan, you'll probably like it. Even if like comedically, you could probably get some entertainment out of it. Especially if, if you if you are a bit more cynical, you could look at it with like the snobbish lens, and be like, "Huh, the acting's really bad," or like, "Huh, you can see the camera in that shot," like that kind but of th- thing. But no one cares. But though. no one cares. No yeah. one cares because it was made by guys and girls younger than us. Yeah. And one of the interesting things is, um, there's a lot of debate as to what was actually the first Cabin in the Woods movie. Was it Evil Dead, The Evil Dead, or Friday the Thirteenth? Because they filmed The Evil Dead in like 1978, 1979. It just didn't come out until 1981. But Friday the 13th was 1980. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding that. I mean, I haven't, I actually haven't seen Friday the 13th, so I can't comment on mm-hmm. upon that. But that, th- that takes place at a summer camp, right? Yeah, right. but it's still like a cabin in the woods-esque with the teens partying kind of. Well, how many characters are there in... on Friday the 13th? I think probably like less than seven, I would think. Really? Yeah, oh, Kevin Bacon's in it. Yeah. Interesting. Because when I think cabin in the woods type movies, I just think you got like five people going going to the cabin, like that's it. Yeah. It's like there's not nothing else really to it. So if we're going by that by my crude definition of it, Evil Dead, what? I just was laughing crude. Yeah, it's just like I guess my I guess Evil Dead would be the first cabin in the woods type movie. I'm sure, but I'm sure there's like some. I'm sure there was maybe something like there was probably some some like precursor from the 60s made in like italy or okay or well there so. was one in the mid 70s called within the woods that was their short film that was their short film that was kind of loosely inspired the evil dead wasn't that like their prototype short that they yeah. used just to get money yeah uh, it was acquire a certain amount of currency yeah. for the evil it's, dead yeah it's on youtube it's only like 30 minutes long and i've seen it it's not like the quality is pretty bad and like it's you know it's, man i'm not surprised it's, <laughs> it's in the same vein as the first where it's like oh it was made by you know 16 17 year olds and funny enough, it's Bruce Campbell that gets possessed in that one. But I would recommend oh, yeah. checking it out if anyone would like to. Again, it's on YouTube. The quality's not great because I think it is from like 1975 or something. Hmm. But it's it's enjoyable and it kind of falls into the franchise a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I I don't really have much else to add because okay. it, it's a it's a good movie. So yes, you got anything else? No. All right, I guess well, we can. Yeah, sorry. Well, I think the uh, yeah the the tonality of it is uh, is really cool. How it changes over the over the three movies, and uh, that's what I think makes the the first movie uh, so unique. Uh, I mean, it was the first horror movie to like actually really scare me that I could remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's a great great franchise. For me, it was from dusk till dawn. Oh, that's a great movie. What was yours? What What was like the movie when you were a kid that absolutely scared you because you saw like a clip from it? Um. I mean, from a clip from it, that... Well, like, you caught it on TV and it, like, scared you or something. I remember, like, Jaws yeah, that's kind, of, kind of unsettled me. But I didn't really watch a lot of horror movies when I was younger, mostly oh. just because I was too scared to. So, like, a lot of the horror... Like, there's a lot of horror movies that I haven't even seen now as an adult, like Friday the 13th, for example, or the ones I did see that for for the first time, like Nightmare on Elm Street I saw in college for the first time. And yeah. I really like that movie. That movie's awesome. But, like, yeah, there's... I can't remember, like, as a kid, just because I didn't really watch a lot of scary movies, I don't have many... Yeah, memories. Halloween Town was more of your vibe. I didn't even. I've never even seen Halloween Town. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, I just didn't like horror movies as a kid. So, That's okay. Yeah. Well, I guess we could wrap up for conversation on Evil or on Army of Darkness. So, final thoughts. Again, I think we've kind of said it all for the past thirty minutes. I really like it. I think it's super fun. It is very different from the other three in the franchise, and four if you include the TV show. And I'm sure whatever this next one coming out will be like. It's supposed to be pretty dark apparently but i still like it it's i think the tone is a bit wonky but that's what they were trying to go for you said it perfectly matthew it's like a live action looney tunes cartoon yeah and it kind of live like, action three stooges more yeah live more action three stooges but um yeah i enjoy it it's i can appreciate it even though maybe it's not necessarily for me in the same way the first evil dead movie is but yeah i'm gonna give army of darkness a solid seven out of ten yeah uh i think uh as orson said it's it's not as uh, memorable, uh, you know, emotionally as the uh, the first two movies are. You know, uh, it's it's a fun watch. I watched it, you know, with my dad a week ago, and uh, I, you know, I think I enjoyed it maybe more the second time watching it since I had watched it about a year ago. But um, I think a solid, you know, six six out of ten with this one. Yeah, this is this is a good movie still, even though I've said it's the weakest of the trilogy. It's still a fun time. I enjoyed rewatching it, but um, there's there's a part of me that says like, yeah, there's a reason why I think I don't really rem- like. There was a lot of stuff that I didn't really remember like from it, even though I watched it a year ago. There's probably a reason for that, just because it is it does lack sort of like that independent creative charm that the first two have, and also it's not nearly as crazy as those first two, but it's still good, and I would recommend checking it out if you would like to. And yeah, I'm going to give Army of Darkness a 7 out of 10. And for those of you listening live right now, uh, for Bijou, we are going to be playing Evil Dead 2 tomorrow night, Saturday night at 10 o'clock p.m. at Film Scene at the Chauncey. And we're also going to be partnering with the Iowa Food Pantry to for a food drive. So any non-perishable food items will are welcome. paper. Yeah, toilet paper, hygiene products. hygiene products especially, but yeah, any like dry dry goods, uh, canned soups, yep. et cetera. So yeah, that's tomorrow tomorrow night, 10 o'clock at Plenty of the Chauncey. We hope to see you there if you would like to. And tune in next week where we're going to be talking about Halloween, the original 1978 John Carpenter classic and Barbarian, <sighs> a horror movie that I have not seen, but I've heard so much about, so I'm very much looking forward to that. So that'll be our Halloween special. Yeah. Um, for next week. So until then, I've been Matthew. I've been Orson. And I was Sumner. And we will see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye.